You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned division of 12 Man Solutions Limited. A very happy new year and welcome to the first episode of the Exhibitionist, the podcast for 2019. Or alternatively, we might call it the Wheezy and Sneezy Show. I hope none of you have been subjected to some of the cold and flu bugs that we've had in our offices over the last few weeks. Um, But I hope if you did, it didn't spoil your Christmas and you've had a brilliant festive season. So now you're back in the office and planning all your fantastic trade show campaigns for 2019. And we'll be shortly handing over to our guest for this week, who is Gabby Castro-Frontura from Sunny Sky Solutions in Latin America. Before we get on to that interview, though, we just wanted to highlight a couple of things that had come out from last week's CES show in Las Vegas. If you received our newsletter last week, you'll have seen that we referenced a couple of campaigns that had been run by exhibitors in the run-up to show to demonstrate how they had used trade media and digital and other tactics to make sure the people they wanted to speak to actually found them. It is, after all, a show that gets about 180,000 visitors. So if you can imagine being there for five days and trying to see the people you want to see in and amongst 180,000, you've got to be really sure about your proposition and getting in touch with the right people before the show doors open. So if you don't know CES, it is a big consumer tech show of the year and it has everything from self-driving suitcases to fully automated dog toilets, uh, who knew we needed those, to robots, smart alarm clocks, and probably what you've heard most about the foldable uh, tabs and phones. But there are a couple of examples of really high-profile brands where it can show that no matter how much money you have to invest in a trade show, sometimes the simple things that you forget are lost and they can really affect how visitors perceive what would have been a great execution. If you pop over onto YouTube, there are some videos of the Google roller coaster that you might have read about. And this was for visitors to get on a little train and go through a journey, effectively through a home, and show all the different ways in which Google Assistant or Alexa um, can help you live your life. So it'll be things like Google, lock the door, Google, pull up an email, Google, tell me about the, the recipe for that brilliant cake, and all the different ways you go through a a bedroom and a kitchen and then out into the open air and then back into the house again. There are some quite scary characters along the way, I thought, but it didn't go very fast, so it's not the most exciting roller coaster ever. And a couple of people, when they've come off that, have said, yeah, it was fun and unique, it was different, they've obviously invested a huge amount in the show, but why? I've not come away from that knowing anything different than I knew before. I know I can use Google in lots of ways in my house and running my life, but I don't for whatever reason. I either choose not to or I forget. And going for five minutes on a roller coaster probably isn't going to change that. So it was a real highlight of the show. It's been talked about a lot. It's had a lot of press coverage. But what did it actually mean? What was it for? The second example is LG. So a huge global company and the introduction of their OLED roll-up TV. Now, this is essentially a television screen that rolls down into a box so that you don't have to have the full structure of the TV in your room um, at any time. It's a really highly anticipated piece of kit and people have been talking about it for quite a long time. But yet when one of their senior salesmen or uh, company directors was being interviewed, 
The interviewer asked them, so what price would I be expecting to pay for this? And the response was, I don't have that information for you yet. And the presenter then asked, well, is it millions or is it billions? And again, the response was, yeah, that's not information we've got to share with you today. Well, that's the kind of information that people would really, really want to know, even if it's a ballpark figure. I think it's all very well teasing people, but actually that just kind of makes you look slightly unprepared and as though you're rushing a bit of tech out. I'm sure that wasn't LG strategy. I'm sure they'd got a really good reason for why they weren't sharing pricing in a really complex route to market. Um, but it just, to me, felt like it fell a little bit short of one of the most crucial bits of information. So with all this amazing tech on show and all these gadgets and gizmos, who actually won the award for best of the best at CES? Actually, it was a burger. And it's the Impossible Burger that is made in a laboratory. And the fact that it is made in a laboratory means that it is eligible to exhibit at CES because it is officially tech. So it was more for people about the experience of it being very meat-like, enjoyed eating it, thought it was a fantastic improvement on anything that had gone before. And despite all that amazing tech that's supposed to make our lives easier, it was actually something that delivered a great experience that won the day at the tech show. So if you get a chance, I can highly recommend nipping onto YouTube and having a look at some of the highlights videos from CES. There's a huge amount of money spent there and you might pick up an idea or two. We'll pop a couple of links on our LinkedIn page and the website so yeah, you can pick up those videos from there. So on today's episode, we are speaking to Gabby Castro-Frontura, who runs Sunny Sky Solutions, which is all about making it easier for businesses to meet, network and sell to other businesses in Latin America. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, I have absolutely no intention of ever exhibiting in Latin America. So why is this podcast going to be of any use to me? Well, actually, it might just make you stop and think about how to prepare for going overseas, how different markets can be, how slow things can be in different parts of the world if you're used to exhibiting in Europe. There's still lots of handy hints and tips and advice in there from Gabby that will help you wherever you're planning on exhibiting, even if it's not Latin America. So we're going to throw over to Gabby and enjoy the episode. So on this edition of the podcast, we are delighted to have all the way from Uruguay, Gabby Castro-Fontura joining, joining us. And Gabby is a director of Sunny Sky Solutions, which is an organization which makes it easier to do business in Latin America. So welcome to the show, Gabby. Thank you. So if you want to start just by giving us um, a little bit of an introduction to yourself and a background to your experience in trade shows. Uh, well, I started Sunny Sky Solutions when I was still living in, in Yorkshire, actually in Skipton, about seven years ago. Um, and the idea is to make it easier for UK companies to do business in Latin America. And that inevitably um, involves trade shows um, at different stages, whether it is when you're looking at the markets, whether it's when you're launching um, you know, a new product or when you're starting to do business, uh, or even then later when you're, when you're more established. It sounds exciting and interesting. So tell me more about what's happening in Latin America at the moment and what the region can offer to businesses in the UK who are looking to export over there. Well, Latin America, first of all, it's, it's, it's a region. So it's uh, 20 different countries, you know, ranging from Chile, Brazil, uh, Honduras, Cuba, uh, Bolivia, you know, a, a wide range of very different countries and 600 million people. Um, and most of these countries have been growing um, steadily over the next, over the last 15 years. 
So you have to think, um, you know, a lot of people became um, joined the middle class. A lot of these countries have really, um, you know, grown quite dramatically over the past 10, 15 years, which means there are opportunities in education, financial services, um, infrastructure, of course. Um, you know, a lot of people now aspire to maybe have holidays or buy um, things they, they weren't able to buy before from food and drink through to, um, you know, whether it can be healthcare, education and, and so on. So it's a very exciting time for the region because, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. It's a very dynamic, very young region as well. So there's opportunities in, I would say, almost every sector as well as the most traditional sectors like agriculture, mining um, and, and the like. Um, so there's opportunities for UK companies that think, you know, long term and they're willing to invest the, the time, the money um, and the people that it takes to, to break into the region. So it sounds from what you're saying that there's a huge amount of growth and a huge amount of social change that's happening in the region. But you talk in your blog about the pace of doing business in Latin America it can sometimes be quite slow. So what are some of the challenges that this can create for businesses who are wanting to export to the region? Yeah, I would say that's probably the most frustrating bit, even for me, on a daily basis of, of doing business in Latin America. I lived 13 years in the UK. And when I came back to live in Uruguay, the, the pace, you know, you have to go from fifth year to first year. It's, it's very, 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 um, and very slow. Uh, and that's partly because business is very personal. So it, it takes time to build those relationships. If you think about the UK, I don't know, 30, 50 years ago, um, you know, sort of more sort of local village type uh, business arrangements and, and very personal based on handshaking relationships. And that, that's, that's what Latin America is. And that's part of the charm as well. Uh, but, but it takes time. And, and I would say, first of all, be committed, um, particularly senior management. You know, when, when I speak to clients, it, it cannot be the, the guy sitting down on the export side of things in the corner that has to deal with the whole thing. Everybody has to be committed. Uh, because when there's problems, when things slow down dramatically, you have to have a, a management that's really convinced that this is the way forward and that's very committed. Uh, so commitment is the, the, the first thing. You have to have the financial backing. So if you're going to just throw £5,000 and say, well, let's see what happens in Latin America, it's not going to work. Uh, you need to have, you don't need to be a massive company. You can be an SME. I mean, we work with small companies all the time, but they need to put the cash in the long-term sort of five-year plan at least five to ten year plan um, and you have to be you have to be very patient um, you know if you're in a rush if you're trying to close a deal within three months or six months it's not going to happen so you need to relax and, and trust a local partner that's why it's so important to find somebody local that you trust because remotely it's going to be as I said it's very personal so remotely it's going to be very very difficult you need to trust whether it's a consultant a distributor an agent um, a joint venture partner a franchisee a licensee Whoever it is, you need to trust the, the local person. And that, that trust is, is going to basically tell you whether the pace is low because that's the way it is or, be, or, or is it somebody that's taking advantage of the situation, you know, but you need to build that trust um, long distance. It's really interesting hearing you talk about the personal relationships in that bit and how it can take time and it's getting to know people and, and spending time building those relationships and I think that's the beauty of exhibitions and, and trade shows really is it's that first point of starting to, to build some trust and build a relationship for the future. It's, it's not about selling a load of your product on the day. So thinking about exhibitions and trade shows in Latin America, 
What are some of the key industries that hold events there? What would be the big exhibitions that perhaps our listeners might have heard of that are in the region? Well, it, um, it's the, the whole exhibition side of things. It's not as developed as it is in the US or Europe. And it's also important to know that Latin Americans travel a lot to exhibitions in other countries. Um, so you have to be prepared if you're going to go to the Middle East to an exhibition or to the US or even in Europe. Um, you have to be prepared for Latin American, um, whether it's clients or potential partners, to come and visit you. That happens again and again in every, in every industry. Uh, but in, in Latin America, I would say there's, there's exhibitions in every country, and that's important to know. There's not, there are not many exhibitions that are sort of region-wide. They tend to be very fragmented by country because every country works in a different way. And they're very niche, so, um, and they also vary a lot in quality. So, for example, in, in food and drink, they're very good exhibitions, um, like Expo Alimentaria, which is well known in Mexico, Peru, and other countries. Uh, recently, we had a client who went to a, a glass show in Sao Paulo in Brazil, so that's very specific for people that work in glass. Um, I've seen cybersecurity, uh, fintech, um, kind of trade shows, um, construction infrastructure, that's metros, uh, you know, anything to do with railways, that's, that's starting to, to get going now. Mining is one that's got some of the best shows, more, more developed or more advanced in, in terms of, of shows. Uh, agriculture, they're very, very good agriculture shows in, in many countries, uh, like in Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Uruguay, Paraguay. Um, energy as well, so anything to do with energy and oil and gas and utilities, um, there's, there's very good trade shows. Uh, but you need you need to research a bit and because there's some really bad trade shows as well. Um, so you need to do that. That's what I'm saying about doing some research and trusting a local partner and having those conversations and saying, is it really worth exhibiting here it's worth visiting you know so much as people will tell you they don't even visit them um so that's why the local side of things is important and just picking up on what you were saying there about um, to the latin american businesses traveling to other shows in other countries which i think is really interesting so gabby i'm guessing our listeners could get in touch with you if they wanted some advice on where you think businesses from your region are traveling to if, if they wanted to know which shows in, in other countries that, that would be valuable for them to, to exhibit at? Yes, I mean, if there's any really big worldwide shows, say, for example, Seattle in Paris or Seattle in the Middle East, corporate and drink, they will be there. If it's, you know, there is their show in Vegas, for example, in Las Vegas, which is, I don't know, um, for your industry or, for example, I know in the, in the nursery industry, nursery goods industry is a very big show um, in Germany, um, you know, if, if there's that sort of big show, you know that they will be there and it's good to be prepared because otherwise they feel very neglected, you know, they're, they're, they're going a very long way uh, and maybe you're focusing on, on the US or the Middle East or Europe and you're missing an, uh, an opportunity to probably visit the most committed distributors that also got the most money to invest in the strip. So they're already telling you that they know the sector, um, that they're willing to invest time um, to know, you know, to get to know the, the latest uh, technologies or innovations or whatever. And they actually have the financial backing to finance one of the scripts. So those are very good signals that you shouldn't miss. Uh, and it doesn't hurt having either a, a brochure in Spanish or maybe maybe even sort of write down their names. I know a, a client of mine just went to Innotrans, which is the railway show uh, in, the, in, in Germany, it is. Um, and they went to a, a big utility show in, in France. And what they did is that they took, they took notes from the conversations with Latin American 
potential clients and potentially really big clients and distributors, and they pass them on to me. So then I can follow up and I can pass them on to a distributor here. So these people feel I've been looked after. It's not that they just turned up to the scan and, and you know, people just had a friendly chat and that was it. Um, they know that, you know, the, the notes that I read was uh, such and such is, is interested in this technology because they're thinking of these substation in X country and so on. So the conversation I can have with them um, is so much more advanced. So the other thing is to then follow that up because you will want to know what your return on investment is from having gone to their show in, in Paris or the Middle East or whatever. Um, so if, if a sale eventually, you know, happens in Latin America, it might have paid off your fall um, going to uh, Dubai or, or whatever. That makes sense. Um, and you just alluded to there briefly about um, using Spanish as a language. Are there any languages or cultural differences that perhaps UK-based companies would need to be aware of for thinking about doing business in Latin America? Uh, I mean, in Latin America, there's two main languages, which are Portuguese for uh, Brazil, and that's Brazilian Portuguese. It's not Portuguese from Portugal. Uh, and then there's Spanish for the rest of the, of the continent. So if you're coming over to Latin America to exhibit, or if you're going to walk a show, it's important to have your materials translated, even if it's just one brochure. I know typically SMEs don't have maybe the cash to upfront to finance translating every single technical brochure, corporate brochure. But even if you have a two sides of A4 in Spanish, and I mean Latin American Spanish, not Spanish from Spain, which is almost insulting to, to most of the region, uh, you know, it's a, a decent professional translation, not a Google Translate one. Just invest in two sides of A4 doesn't take any, it can be 50% images anyway. So a little bit of decently translated text. Um, in Portuguese, if you're gonna to go to, to Brazil, in, in Spanish, if you're going to the rest of the, of the region, it just pays off, it just shows that you cared enough to have translated the materials. Will they understand English? If it's very technical, probably. The more technical, the easiest it is. Um, but it just shows that little bit of care. I mean, I, I remember once there was a, English company in um, in a show, a very, very massive show, 20,000 pounds it cost them to sit there and to pay for the, and they had all the materials in Spanish and, and in English, and this was in Brazil. Um, it's, it's so insulting for a Brazilian to be given information in Spanish. It's like saying, I couldn't be bothered to make the effort, and you kind of understand it anyway, because they sound quite similar. It's, it's, it's really not right. If you're gonna make a 20,000 pound investment to go and exhibit somewhere, you're going to send somebody in samples and, and all the like, then why not make the effort, pay another £500 and have a really good translation of just at least one flyer. Um, and, and the other thing is to make sure that you've got the samples, talking about samples, the samples and all the exhibition aids um, cleared in customs before. Um, so with plenty of time, and we had last week somebody that was trying to exhibit in Sao Paulo in Brazil, and there was a problem with customs, and it took them about six weeks to get the stuff out of customs. They had to pay a fortune and they missed the deadline, so they didn't have the materials um, to exhibit in the show. I had that before in Brazil in the same show. You know, you, you walk around and you see a lot of empty stands, and then you ask people, what, you know, where are your, where are your samples? Where's it? They didn't even have the business cards, loads of this. And why? Because they didn't organize this with loads and loads of times. I mean, some countries are a lot easier. Chile will be easy. Peru, Colombia, they tend to be easier to let um, temporary admission of, of exhibition um, samples and aids and that. The countries like Brazil are notorious for being so difficult um, and, and very rational as well. You don't understand what went wrong if you did all the paperwork correct. So you have to allow 
plenty of time and be very creative on the way that you're going to ship the things, um, you know, the samples or, or the aids. So the business cards, the brochures, you know, get them printed locally, organize somebody to, to take them rather than try to get everything from the UK. Because there's one slight glitch with customs or one strike or anything and you miss, you know, you wasted £20,000 investment in a, in a trade show because your brochures weren't there, your business cards weren't there, your samples weren't there. It's heartbreaking. We've worked with clients in the past who tell us stories of um, when they've tried to do things, save a little bit of money and then things have got impounded. You know, people just shipping samples of water just water where it's one ingredient bottles of water have been um you know impounded at the port so it's so reassuring to hear that that happens all around the world and and you know people think we're making these stories up when we're giving our horror story examples but it it does happen and for anybody who's listening we would say um use the freight forwarders that are recommended by the show because they know what they're doing and if you're uk based get in touch with the department for international trade because they're the guys who can really help you with with missions and, and getting your uh, getting your kit and your equipment over there because as you say there's nothing worse than having spent 20 30,000 pounds on something and, and not being able to exhibit it so you never get going to get your money back on that um, yeah but contact them also you know contact them with plenty of time because it's not worth it contacting them a week before because you didn't get the samples there's nothing they'll be able to do it whether it's from the AT, the embassies the, the, the customs broker that you know i can't do anything if you got your samples stuck in customs a week before a show it's very unlikely i'm going to be able to do anything uh, it's it's very as I said we, we we're talking about the pace everything's low nobody's going to rush because you didn't do your work on time you know mm-hmm. it's they're going to take it easy and you you are you know you're rushed they aren't so so you know if, if you're going to ask for help um, ask with plenty of time yeah absolutely um, so just thinking about those services and support what is it that's available in the region to help exhibitors who might be nervous about coming out to Latin America and exhibiting for the first time. It's a really big step and you can understand why they'd be anxious. So what support is there through organisations like yourself or, or other companies to help those first-time exhibitors? Well, first of all, I would say before you exhibit, you need to be sure why you're exhibiting and, and where. Uh, so it might be better to say, for example, we, we offer a service by which we walk a show before. So you say to me, I'm thinking about exhibiting at, I don't know, Technofita, which is a technology show in Argentina. Do you think it's the right show for me? So I might go take pictures, talk to people, uh, get the, the the brochure, which, by the way, you cannot download ever online. You have to go there and buy it or, or get it there. Um, you know, and then we do that. And then you might be more or less convinced that it's the right show for you. You might want to come over the year before or the edition before and, and walk the show yourself. Um, and you need to understand why you're doing this. Is, are you absolutely convinced? Have you done enough research on that particular market to justify? Um, don't just land in a trade show just because it's fun uh, or just because somebody pushed you to, to do it. You know, you have to be very prepared. You need to understand the market because otherwise, when people start asking questions at the show, you just, it's not going to look good on you if you just clearly don't understand what you're doing there. If you're exhibiting, people will expect that you will have done all your market research before. Um, the exhibition is the last thing you do. It's not the first thing. You could walk the show before as part of your market research, but you don't invest a lot of money in exhibiting if you don't know, first of all, whether there's demand for your products and services, whether you can meet that demand at the right price. Um, so you need to do all that prep work before. And then if, if you're really convinced, or you think, well, I want to have a go and, and this will help me decide whether it's right for me or not, 
there's a lot of support from DIT and the, the embassies and consulates, um, and you could go as part of a British freight mission or a British pavilion. Um, some companies like that, some don't, but it, it could, you know, make you feel a little bit more secure, I would say. Um, as I said, they're not as professional traders here. In general, some of them are sort of, you know, world-class, uh, but 95% aren't. So, you know, your expectations have to, to be adjusted to the fact this, this is not a German show. Um, this, is, this is a different kind of thing. Um, and of course, there's consultants like ourselves that can help. And, and also potential distributors who probably have gone to 20 editions of the same show and can, can tell you where to put the stand, where not to put it, what day to uh, maybe invest in more people at the stand or what talks to go to or who to be next to or who to network with and, and all that. So these people have been doing this for years, maybe decades. Um, they'll be the best people to, to ask for help. There's a chambers of commerce as well. Um, but it's, it's the interest of your company you have to have in mind because you know, some, some, some organizations love to do trade shows, but you have to think whether it's the right investment um, at the right time, the right market, and then you need to be, you need to have done a lot of, a lot of homework before. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the bit where a lot of exhibitors fall down where they just think because a trade show seems to fit their industry, then obviously it's going to bring them loads of new customers. And, and actually sometimes it, it's just not the right place for them to be and they don't do that homework and end up spending a lot of money being in the wrong place so we always say you know it's better to spend two or three hours doing your research on the internet and really looking at things and spending the money going and visiting than spending 30 pounds on something and being there for three days and never meeting it so if we have got some companies in the uk who have already booked to exhibit at a trade show in latin america how do they make the most of that investment what do companies in latin america really like to see from exhibitors well, they want to see um, things that are new. You have to think, you know, innovation, something different. You have to think that because of this growth that I was talking about, we've been bombarded by companies from all over the world over the last 10, 15 years that have shown, you know, that have come with all sorts of products and services from uh, Europe, the US, Japan, China, the rest of Latin America, uh, the whole world. And so, you know, in a way, we've got quite a lot of, you know what we're exposed to to a wide range of, of, of offer for all sorts of niche products and, <coughs> and services so you have to think what's really going to differentiate you and your products from all the rest i mean you'll be surprised at any show the amount of products that the variety that we've got the range of um, you know, of choice um, so really can you offer something new and original and can you showcase that you know be, be creative in the way you have to get people's attention and Latin Americans are very emotional as well. So appeal to the emotion, um, appeal to the technical side, but, you know, create an impact in, in uh, when you come and exhibit. Um, also, don't be afraid to use a union jack in any country in Latin America. Put the British flag there. People love it. You know, they want to see that it's a British company, it inspires uh, a sense of uh, reliability, of uh, seriousness and honesty and, and all that. So it's good to, you know, either join a program like Made in Britain or whatever it is, um, but, but don't be afraid to, to say this has been designed or has been manufactured in the UK. Um, and above everything, remember, it's all about relationships and it's about people. A lot more than it's about your price list or your product specification is about talking to people. So go out there, talk to people, bond, you know, go out for drinks, 
Um, I think a lot of the exhibitions is, is, at least in Latin America, are very social. Um, don't miss out all the um, sort of networking events and all that sort of, even the, the sort of water cooler uh, seconds or the minutes in the cafeteria or the lunch break, those are really, really valuable moments to bond, to talk, to establish relationships, talk to the people next to you, across from you, um, and, and just interact, just listen, more than talk, just listen to what other people are telling you. Be very humble, you know, say, this is new to me, the first I'm here. People will immediately try to help you out. If you say, you know, actually, don't be afraid to ask, you know, I, I, I actually really could do with a contact in the Ministry of Health for this or that. Ask, because that person next to you might be really willing to help. People here are a lot more open about um, helping each other and contacts and so on. And they don't quite see the difference between this is a personal request and this is a business request. It's all very much mixed up. So don't be afraid to, you know, to interact um, and, and to ask loads of questions and, and to listen to people. There's so much in there that's just, I think people think, because they're spending so much money, going to exhibit somewhere like Latin America, we have to get sales on the day, we have to come back with a full order book, otherwise it's not really worth it. And you just think, that's not the point. That's not why you're going there. You know, it is about market research. And, or they go there and they do sell a lot and then find that they can't service the market and think, well, why yeah. did you go exhibit there? So they, they tend to get a lot of leads when they come and they don't follow them up. That's, that would be another thing. Yeah. Um, you know, they say, well, you know, we're in there and I've got all these leads. And they show you their excels and they're really excited. And they say, well, how are you going to follow up? Oh, I'm going to send an email to all. I said, well, that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to call them. And they go, oh, gosh, I've got to call them all, but I don't speak Spanish. I said, it doesn't matter. You managed a conversation when you were there. Sure. You need to pick up the phone. And they say, oh, no, I send them 10 emails. And they never reply. Uh, and the, the guy on the other side is thinking, gosh, um, I went to this stand, this British stand. It was a great product. I was willing to... to to you know to, to buy this or to do some business and all this guy does is bombard me with emails he never calls me yeah. so is that that's, that's what the cultural differences start you know what we don't do a business by email it's, it's very very hard unless it's a maybe a very young person uh, in a sector like software say yeah. which is yeah. IT, digital site but your typical sort of 50 to 70 year old male that does this sort of uh, business decision making which is very typical it's, it's just not moved by that. I mean, I have relationships with my students for five, seven years in some case, and they still don't answer my emails. So, you know, I still have to WhatsApp them and say, you know, football scores and all that. But yeah, have you seen my email? Oh, yes, I did see. Why didn't you reply? Oh, I thought you were going to call. <laughs> it's just, you know, if, if all you expect to do is just to get a list of leads and then bombard them with emails, it's, it's not going to work. So, yeah. It's just adjusting that. And they can, I can see it because when they arrive here to show, the first day you see them, they're all like very you know, suited and, and very sort of, right, I've got to sell and, and my product is the best. And, the, and then by the third day, they're sort of, you know, loose tie, all relaxed, having a drink, talking to the ones. That, and I think, yeah, you got it now. You know, yeah. it's just, uh, it's not about your product. It's about talking to people. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some basic things as well about exhibiting in the trade or like, not leaving the stand alone, which they do a lot of the time when they're driving insane, because they only could pay for one person to travel, and if that person needs to go somewhere else, it's time to send. So those sort of details, it's like you can't. But that's worldwide, you know. This is whether you're doing Absolutely. it. It's sometimes it's just basic stuff. It's not. It's not. I remember one that was the. It was a nursery goods importer, massive one here, 
and they went to um, a show in, in, in Germany and there was this British company. And the British guy said to me, you know, because of Panamanian, I was expecting him to be quite, well, I don't know how to say it, he said, like quite poor, but the guy turns up with a Hugo Boss suit, you know, the latest Google Watch and the Mont Blanc pen. And he was like, oh, wow. And I said, well, see your expectations of the Latin Americans are poor and they cannot afford to come yeah. to show Dubai or in Germany. It's, it's so wrong. The guy yeah. probably lives a much better life than you do. Yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah, he said that, that just, you know, for him was like, wow, I really don't understand, right? So it's just getting used to how things work and, you know, how people do business. The other thing is it tends to be men, the trouble. Um, we had, I just did a study for the Canadian government for, um, for female exporters in, in Latin America. And one of the problems they have is that when they have to travel to a show in Canada, although the woman might be the one that knows most about the business, the owner is usually the father who asks the son to go. Right. You know, so they feel very macho dominated. So you end up getting this guy who hasn't got a clue about the business in, in Toronto calling his sister because he doesn't know how things work. He doesn't know about this. He doesn't know income terms. He doesn't know anything. Uh, but that's, you know, they think that it's wrong to send the woman to the show. The right thing is to show to send the man. Uh, and there's a lot of those things that you need to be aware of. when. And if you go to a show here, I mean, except for sectors like education maybe, but the rest, they're all men. You know, and that that shocks you um, as a woman. You know, particularly British woman comes here and it's like, well, they're all men. They're like all middle-aged men. What's what's wrong? Where's where, where's the women? And so there's women sitting in the background. They're the ones that know the stuff, but you know, it, it's wrong for them to be to yeah. be there. And there's a lot of these sort of uh, promotion. What do you call them? Like these girls that give you flyers and things. Scantily yeah. dressed, yeah. and that's that's very common, particularly in industries like mining. Which is so sort of male dominated, and that that is a real shock to British people, particularly men and women both. They, they don't understand it. They think this is so like fifty years ago. Yeah, um, that's the thing. We do, we don't really see that very often now in at UK shows. Yeah. Well, you don't see it here in Uruguay, for example. You don't see it in Argentina, but then you go to a country like Chile, like Peru, like well, definitely Colombia, and it's wow, it's such a shock. Um, so even with for us, it's it's. it's so you have to be prepared for those sort of things yeah we've got loads of good advice from you there but if you had one top tip for anybody coming out to exhibit what would that be um listen just listen just just go to a show and just don't worry so much about um you know the the actual price list or the product or does it look good and just go out there and just talk to people and just listen you know almost research the market at, at the show and um and see what people have to say the, the 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 value of that knowledge from people that live um every day in, in the market that you're targeting is is so is so precious there's no amount of um desk research that you can do that will match that so when you come just come you know with an open mind and i'm willing to listen that'll be my my top tip it's brilliant to hear that. I know there was a bit of research done recently that um, said one of the top complaints from visitors going to trade shows is that they just weren't listened to and they were just sold at. And trade shows just aren't really about selling. They're about listening and finding solutions to that visitors' problems and helping them find a way through whatever issues they are that they're experiencing. So good to hear you back that up. So 
some fantastic advice in there for any businesses that are thinking of uh, making the leap into Latin America. It sounds quite exciting. I'm thinking of going and booking my plane ticket. Definitely. It sounds like a great place to be. But if people want to get hold of you, Gabby, and get some more help and support from you, how can they get in touch with you? I mean, just look on our website. It's uh, sunnyskysolutions.co.uk. Um, there's the contact details there. They can have a look at the blog as well. You know, I put a lot of love and care to write about topics that are relevant to UK businesses. A lot of the topics from a blog are about, um, you know, answering questions that the British companies have asked. And, and I do discuss a lot of trade shows as well, um, some sort of cultural issues around them, but also I review some of them, particularly around mining, construction, energy, uh, agriculture, food and drink. There's a lot of precious information. You can sign up to the newsletter as well. Um, but it's all about the long-term relationship. It's all about uh, doing business in a region that um, thinks about you know, people and thinks very much long-term. Brilliant. Well, if anybody missed it, that is um, Gabby's blog on sunnyskysolutions.co.uk. Or if you uh, can't find that, get in touch with us and we will pass on Gabby's details uh, for you. But thank you so much for your time today. There's a huge amount of information there. I know our listeners will be um, feeling like they've got real value out of that. So thank you so much. And uh, good luck with all your future travels. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Gabby. She's a real source of support and will help any business who's looking to get out to Latin America or just any business at all. She loves working with people. So if you want her contact details, do get in touch with us, but you can find her at Sunny Sky Solutions either online or on uh, Twitter. Coming up in the next episode in a couple of weeks, we are speaking to Emma Cartmel, and Emma is director of the CHS Group, which some of you may know is a fantastic organisation that works to connect venues with event organisers. But Emma is speaking specifically about how exhibitors can generate a better ROI. So all the things we're really, really passionate about and talk a lot about to our clients and delegates in our workshops. But it's good to hear somebody else who's uh, very influential in the industry who also agrees with us. So watch out for that episode coming from Emma in a couple of weeks. We're really excited to be working with some fantastic new clients this year. So we've just agreed to work with Auto Mechanica in Birmingham. So if you're exhibiting at Auto Mechanica this year, we are going to be working with you on your exhibitor training. So please get in touch if we can help you out with your trade show trouble. And we've also got an exciting program of new workshops and courses coming up soon. So keep an eye on the website for that. As always, we'd love to hear from you and hear what your plans are for 2019. So get in touch if you've got a trade show trouble that you need solving, or if you want us to focus on any particular aspect of exhibiting through a podcast episode. In the meantime, have a great couple of weeks. Hope your plans are coming well together. And don't forget to head over to www.inspiringexhibitors.com for all the latest news, advice and information from the world of exhibitions. If you'd like more information about our book, The Exhibitionist, future podcasts and newsletters, please remember to pop over to inspiringexhibitors.com where you'll be able to find all the relevant information. Once again, thank you for listening.